Welcome back to the Game Exception. This week, we take a long-awaited dive back into the Gen Sega. Eris knew Gen and Jack back in 2001. It was probably one of the first people that really challenged or questioned Gen until their spectacular fallout in the summer of 2002. Eris then disappeared off the radar. Until 2008, a user in the live journal Housemate Horror Group begins publishing a multi-part story about this insane roommate. This would eventually be known as the Sarah Saga. The story really picked up steam when a member of Something Awful Forum declared that Sarah was heiress from the Final Fantasy VII house, forever galvanizing the Sarah Sega to the FF7 house story. But was it true? Was it even about heiress? This has been debated for well over a decade, and despite heiress's name getting tied to this, she never came forward to tell her side. Until now. In this part, we will be reviewing the Sarah Sega itself. As always, expect foul language, but as this is the Sarah Sega, the text is littered with outdated concepts around gender identity and mental health, so listen with care. Let's get ready for another human exception. I've realized mm. how much I've assimilated into Canadian culture after visiting oh, yeah? my friends. Yeah. <laughs> and? Oh, it's weird. <laughs> I'm so much quieter than I used to be. <laughs> and I've picked up the Canadian story. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Just like constantly apologizing. And uh, I feel like it was already way. deep, like like a thing that was deep within you. You just had to have it brought out by being in Canada for a long time. Yeah, like I definitely, <laughs> I, I definitely apologized a lot uh, before I moved here. But then, um, like I, I said sorry, like an American, and now I say sorry. And I've got the Canadian like end end upward inflection. <laughs> Real hard now, which I didn't realize until I went back. It's, it's fucking funny. It's funny. Stuff you won't realize. Um, I think um, my sister likes me better now that I'm more Canadian. That's, Less annoying. I'll take it. Yeah. If being here has strengthened relationships. Yeah, like beyond my marriage. Yeah. Who would have known? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. If you guys have multiple Baldur's Gate games running or not. I only uh, have one. I tried to start a second one and I couldn't. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so like Nathan and I have the one that we're doing together. And then I've right. got two other on the side that I've been working on. Okay. Yeah. Stupidest fucking thing, where it's like <laughs> your last save, no matter what character it's on, it will be the first save to show up when you go to save again. Yeah. So last night, Nathan had did his, the same shit. <laughs> last night, Nathan had a class, so we stopped playing together, and so I went to go play by myself. 
Then I'm gonna go save, and then saved over our file. And lost Mother. everything we did yesterday. Oh no! And I'm like, well, fuck. I was like, do you want me to just I could try and just catch us up to where we were? Do you want me to wait? He's like, you can do it if you want. I'm like, okay. I go through it. I burn through it. I managed to catch everybody, catch us back up to where we were. Like, sweet. So, is this is this auto saves will also save over, or is it only no, 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 no. the way to scum save? It's when you manually sa- manually save. Gotcha. Like PlayStation has this thing where um, you can only have a certain number of saves before it starts like saying like, "Oh, you're running out of storage," kind of thing. It's oh. the saves are not well managed on the PlayStation. Um, so, like doing quick saves is just a pain in the ass because then you have to go and delete five thousand quick saves every couple days, kind oh, of God. thing. Yeah, so I don't manually do saving just... is faster mode. <laughs> I will I will have so many saves. So many saves. I don't even fucking care. Do I have to get a whole new hard drive just for my, my saves? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, I need a how server played, for these things. Yep. It's how I played uh it's how I played Skyrim. It's how I'll play Baldur's Gate. It's how I'll play until I die. I'll just have nothing but auto saves and inventories full of junk. <laughs> yep. Yes. And the fallout way. Yeah. I am a hoarder of uh digital things and i give no fucks because <laughs> why would i why do i have 50 pleats in here oh god although <laughs> so i told you guys about my brother when he was younger and uh and playing um skyrim at my house and every time this kid would come over he would want to play skyrim and i'd be like sure unbeknownst to me Little shit didn't go back to look for his saves because much like Baldur's Gate, your saves are just kind of like like chucked together into like a big mishmash. So this little shit would make a new lizard wizard lizard every wizard, time. Lizard wizard. And it was always a lizard wizard. He would make a new lizard wizard every time he came to my house and it would look exactly the fucking same. <laughs> I think he even named it too? the same. And he would just do the beginning every fucking time, and oh. he never made any progress in the game. He would just play a brand new lizard wizard every time he came to my house. So eventually, my hard drive did get full, and I had to figure <laughs> out what was going on. I'm like, why is Skyrim so big? It's because uh. there's 50 lizard wizards existing <laughs> on my hard drive. Oh, I love that. Little baby. I love him oh so much. Oh my god. My, that is he doesn't listen, so but good. He should. That is I'm out in so you, Keith. <laughs> Little fucker, I love you. <laughs> My baby brother, who is 20-something now. disgusting. He's 25. Oh, 25. Make you feel old? Yeah, I used to change that kid's diapers and shit, and now he's 25. <laughs> he's taller than me. He could throw my uh, ass across a room. Like, oh, no. He's got two or three black belts. Like, what the fuck? You can't do that. You don't know how much the Subway sandwich costs. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Oh, man. This, this is been, morning. Uh, Baldur's Gate and embarrassing my brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, one more Baldur's Gate thing. This morning, since I play by myself at 6 a.m. before Nathan wakes up, I saved over it again. <gasps> I had to do it Kayla. again. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm really oh my god! Good at the Hag fight in Act Three. I'll tell you what. Hell yeah! Well, I haven't gone that far. 
I'm still. I just started Act Two, and I'm like not in love with it. I want to. I want to go back and do all the things. I don't want this game to end. <laughs> There's a lot of things to do. <laughs> yeah, there is. Oof. I, I I uh I still have not beat Skyrim. I'll never beat Skyrim. <laughs> I have never completed the quest line in Skyrim. The main quest I'm line. convinced that no one I've, has done that. Never uh, lots it, of people yeah. have. I have been teased mercilessly for how much I, uh, how many Skyrim copies I own, and for how. Um, As not the Euro main main quest completions you have, have zero a uh, zero of them, and I just keep making new characters and doing them all over again. <laughs> Are they all lizard yeah. wizards? No, thank God. I'm I'm pretty sure those people making fun of you. It's all false superiority, and they've never actually finished it. I don't think they need the game, honestly. The main quest line is so short, though. It is. Like, it's really, like, if you just stick to that and not get distracted, which I don't know how that's possible, um, because that game turns everyone into squirrels. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. And then there's people who have made, like, giant add-ons. Yeah, I want to play that. I never want It's wild. There's one there. there, I can't remember the name of it. If you've played the like Cthulhu themed one, no, it's fucking cool. That's neat. But it's messed up as shit. It's really hard. Yeah, I like messed up. I have to find. I'll have to find that. It's really dark. It's really gosh. It's been so long since I played that game. So you're telling me that becoming the head of every single guild and or magic school uh-huh. and or whatever is not part of the main plot <laughs> or finding every easter egg every random character you can interact with on a road owning every okay, house, so all the items i think the one that oh is this the one that i played okay so i think it was this one it's called here there be monsters ooh but there's a couple um, and then there's um, one called From the Deeps, and the small fishing village is called Innsmouth. So there you go. Oh! oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about anything, you know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there was another one that, it, and maybe it wasn't a full Lovecraftian one, but it was, oh god, it was tough. I was like, I'm gonna jump on this dragon, and then what the fuck just happened? Um, me constantly and everything always. Yeah. <laughs> what this is easy. Shit? I can handle it. What the? Fuck? Oh my ah. god. Yeah. Even Baldur's Gate is like that too. Because I'm like, that just happened. So okay. I did try to make a second character in Baldur's Gate, and I was like, oh, I'll play a fucking spellcaster because why not? Yeah. I died so fast. I didn't even make it out. <laughs> Of the Nautilus. I just, like, <laughs> insta-perished. And I was oh, like, oh, yeah. Oh, no. This is why I have to play something with some form of, um, like, dexterity and or armor. Because my <laughs> dumbass just rushes right in. That's why I always <laughs> play sneaky characters. And um, I'm just basically the same character every time I play anything. Anyway. <laughs> Hey, but you know it though. Like, oh, I, you know I what you love. I have gotten, as I've gotten older and uh, not wiser, I have learned I have a type for everything. I have a type 
for everything. And it's not good for you. It's not good for me. <laughs> I should go back to therapy. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Well, welcome back to the human exception. <laughs> we should all go back to therapy. <laughs> we should all go back to therapy. And that should be a t-shirt. We could do a therapy group together. Uh, group therapy that... where we're just like, yeah, dude, oh, like this no. is fucked. I think BetterHelp <laughs> does that. <laughs> I think, isn't BetterHelp problematic? I have no idea. I've heard bad you things. Are, you are correct. They sell people's data. Oh, that's right. Oh. I forgot about that. yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep, that's a good. That's yeah. a that's a good thing to yeah. do as a you know mental health. As a that's mental health, thing. Mm-hmm. that's ethical. I'm sure. I'm sure there's yeah. no ethical They've, issues. They there. definitely got raked over the coals for it. And then one of my favorite podcasts is still using them as a sponsor. And I was like, okay, I think mm. I have to drop you now. Oh, awkward. Yeah, yeah. there's no way yeah. you can't. No, right. I just kind of zip over ads anyway yeah it's oh same yeah i just i i always get a little like with that when i'm like really you're you're saying one thing and you're doing another and i don't like this ignorance is bliss bliss i mean he's gotten called out for it so i don't know yeah if you've gotten gotten called out anymore (laughs) yeah people have pointed it out to him and like hey man this is not cool and he just keeps using it so Has, has he responded not that I've seen, but this particular podcaster who I will not name on the stream, I'll tell y'all later. It, and I'm just like, why are you, if people are calling your, if someone called my ass out, I would at least be like, okay, let me check. And and then address you know. it. Yeah. yeah. Instead of just silence. Great tactic. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Real uh, mature. Oh, now there's, now there's no mowers. It just got weirdly Yay. quiet. Definitely. That felt weird. Okay. Anyways, everyone, everyone's heading to uh, everyone's heading to church. Church time. I I think there's a. It's late for church. Uh, This area is pretty heavily Catholic, so it's probably late for church. And also, I think there's a football game today. Ah, that's what it is. Mm. Football time. (laughs) Get the mowing done. It is football season. Yeah. I think there's a Michigan State game today. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, I guess let's uh, do a thing. Let's do a thing. So we are back on the Gen Sega train. <laughs> it's been it's a been while a since we've done one of these. Y- yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time. Here. And- here on the podcast has been a long time. <laughs> Nathan's like, it's every day of my life. <laughs> <It's> it. <laughs> <laughs> it is every day of my life. It's true. <laughs> It's wild. Um, anyways, so today we are going to talk about Eris, which is pretty cool. So when it comes to the Gen Sega, Eris is kind of a nebulous figure. Eris knew Jack before most did and was one of the first people to be suspicious of Jen's motives and push back, calling her out. And in the summer of 2002, Eris and Jen would fall out spectacularly. This occurred while Icarus was staying with Jen and Jack, and he would be witness to Jen's very public hate campaign against Eris. Eris became public enemy number one, well, at least for a few weeks, until Icarus made his escape and would go on to tell a story in 2005. Little is known about what happened to Eris after this, but there's a lot of speculation. Then in 2008, in a live journal group known as Housemate Horrors, a user would begin authoring a series of posts telling their elaborate tale of this horrible roommate. 
The story would be known as the Sarah Saga, and it came with several flourishes that were reminiscent of Icarus's tale about Jen, causing it to draw more attention than anyone could have expected. Then a user would make a post on something off awful forums, declaring with certainty that they knew who Sarah was, and she was none other than Eris from the inf infamous FF7 house story, and this assertion spread like wildfire. While others came forward to defend her, Eris never made herself known to address that story. Until now. So, Sarah Sega became permanently entwined with the FF7 house story, shrouded in speculation and mystery, and were the events true? Was it really about Eris, or was it Jen again and another guy's? There's a lot of questions that come up about it. This is a story that I've debated telling for a long time, as something about it didn't sit right with me. And the more I learned about the individuals involved in the Gen Sega, Eris included, the more I'm sure I became that there's no way the story was about Eris. Or if it was, it was, it was almost entirely fabricated. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's talk about the Sarah Saga. Before I get into this, I want to say that the author of these posts holds some pretty archaic views, uh, the nicest way of saying that, on mental health and gender identity. The way the story is framed, it appears to be designed to purposely make Sarah look as bad as possible. The author is judgmental at best and cruel, transphobic, ableist at worst. I'm not going to read these stories word for word in their entirety. We don't have time for that, and some of the stuff's just not relevant. I'll be focusing on most of the important elements of the story. So, on July 15th, 2008, a user by the name of Dragon Tiger Claw would make a post in the Housemate Horror Live Journal group titled Insane Housemate Part 1. It would be revealed that the author's name was Pete. Pete had a story to tell. Quote, I used to live in this awesome situation in SoCal until the housemate from hell moved in. Fortunately, she's left, but the bitterness remains on my tongue. It is a saga that can only be told in pieces. Please bear with me. In the cut, you will find part one of the saga involving the girl who believed she was a video game character. Alrighty, we're sounding like the FF7 house story right away. Oof. Yeah. Our house was owned by a guy named Matt. It had been in his family for generations, and it was beautiful. It has four floors and a carriage house. On the first floor are the two formal rooms, Matt's bedroom, bath, and his den. This huge kitchen, a powder room, a butler's pantry, a wraparound porch, and two open rooms that are for everyone's use. On the next few floors are the housemates' rooms and baths, as well as two extra rooms. One is called the game room, since it was a pool table, and the other is called the lodge, since it contains all the mounted animals that Matt's grandfather hunted. There are currently five housemates plus Matt. We all have our own rooms and run the house. Matt is very particular about who he rents to, which is a good thing. Some of the requirements are professionals owning, so no students or kids working as waitresses while they try to make it big, no one under 25, and no people with children and or pets other than Matt's two dogs. Matt also insists that all current housemates agree upon the person that they rent to. And for all of this, we only, charge, he only, we only pay $500 a month including utilities. In the house, we currently have a lawyer, two engineers, a high school guidance counselor, a professional pet sitter, a manager of a retail store. Matt is the counselor. I am the manager. Just imagine paying $500 rent to live in a four-story four house. I have never paid that little for rent ever in my entire life. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Don't know. Um, I don't know what that's like. My cheapest rent was seven fifty. Yeah, yeah. I think, I I think ours was. Point. I'm trying to think. I think ours was eight seventy five. 
but that was 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, I paid I paid seven fifty for my first apartment plus utilities, and my washer dryer wasn't in my apartment, and yeah. I lived like two blocks from my parents, and it was two thousand nine, around the same time. <laughs> yeah, in Alaska. Yeah. Whoa. Yes. So I want to know where this massive like four story house is in SoCal. Seriously. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, and one guy can just, you know, afford to pay all the property taxes and everything by himself. <laughs> He's a counselor to boot. So that. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. Um, anyways, all was fine until roommate number six left the house to get married. We were all sad to see her go and decided to wait a bit before replacing her. Since the house is paid for, all the rent goes towards maintenance, taxes, and general upkeep. So there wasn't a rush. After a few months went by, we started the search. Can you imagine being able to wait a few months to be able to get another roommate? No. Oh, God. No. <laughs> Fucking hell. No. <laughs> what so, is money? What is money? <laughs> How does it work? What is that like? Why do we have it? <laughs> That's a good question. <gasps> yeah, it's so evil. It's so it's obviously so some of us can feel inferior to others. We're just obviously not us. as good as other people, Nathan. Yeah. It has nothing yeah. to do with feelings. Your feelings <laughs> are irrelevant. Uh, yeah. These are you obviously you have money. Yeah, God. Huh. Well, we received over 500 inquiries and had 153 people fill out our online application. That we had a lawyer set up. We tossed out the students and those who clearly did not meet our requirements, dropping the number of potentials down to about 50. We asked those 50 to send us their boss's phone number so we could verify their employment and contact information for their current landlord. Following that, the number of acceptables dropped down to 17. Can you imagine calling the bosses and landlords no. for 50 people? No. 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 No, mm-hmm. never. Not once. No, that feels that feels just that absolutely feels like wild. landlord bullshit. Yeah. Still not in a hurry. We phoned all 17 and interviewed them. 17 interviews. Holy oh. shit. Putting the number down to five. We paid to run background checks on those five. Finally, <laughs> oh we met in person in the house. Paid, that's nice. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I always had to pay for my own background check. And then we met them in person, and then the housemates called to came to a consensus of our top three candidates. And we made our decision to allow Sarah to live with us. It was the biggest mistake ever. Sarah seemed to fit the bill. She was a programmer for a computer company, or so we were led to believe. She was 27 years old. She had a boyfriend that lived in another part of the state. She was well spoken, seemed nice and quiet. She appeared to be the perfect fit for her house. Wrong. Everything about Sarah was a lie, even her name. She had us run the background check. She gave us two names. Apparently, she legally had changed her name at some point. Okay, no problem. Matt did not pry as to why she changed her name, and the rest of us thought it was none of our business. Still, but both still both names came up clean. But there were more lies. Many, many more. So, end quote. Pete goes on to describe Sarah moving in during February 2007, everything appearing quite normal until the following week when she went to work. She returned that day in tears, saying she was laid off. 
Matt told her not to worry, she'd paid three months in advance, and she'd have plenty of time to find new work. The housemates offered to hand out her resume, but Sarah said she hadn't unpacked her computer yet, but she'd give it to them once she did. And it's after this when things started to get weird. Quote, the next few days, she started to show her oddness. She complained that there was meat in the fridge and she was a vegetarian. Matt told her that she could okay. keep her food in the carriage house fridge if she was concerned about that. But most people here ate meat and that she'd have to get over it. She whined and moped like a two-year-old. Matt, being the one to make peace, cleaned out his old college fridge that he kept in his private den for his wine and offered it to her. Sarah scoffed at the thought that her food would fit, fit in such a fridge, but accepted it and put it in the butler's punch. Bat Butler's Pantry. It, like, I'm sure there are v vegetarians that are that severe, but I've never met one. Yeah, there, there for sure are. You can't have meat in the same fridge. Like it somehow, and I'm not, I'm not, I've, I've met people like that. I'm not passing a judgment or anything on it, just that they I think am that it, Well, <laughs> just that they think it kind of taints the, their food. So it, it is a very extreme version that's, of it. Yeah. That's too much. Also, I'll take that fuck them back because like also OCD and stuff and people can't have food <laughs> touching. But also, it does also, not if you, your food. If you have that, you know, you need that level of control over your life, move in with people with the same lifestyle, right? Like, that's yes. right. Can't expect exactly. six other people to adhere to your lifestyle. Yeah, that's that. That's when it's like, okay, this is a you thing, so you need to handle it. Yeah. Yep. yep. A week passed, and her resume was still nowhere to be found. Matt helped her help offered to help her write one, but she said she had one. She just didn't have time to look for a job as she was flying out to see her boyfriend that weekend. So she left, and we decided that when she returned, we'd give her a welcome meal. We made a whole bunch of food, lots of lots of it vegetarian. And when she showed up, she just shook her head at the fact that we had also made meat. Matt assured her that the meat and veggies had been cooked separately. And she said, it doesn't matter. You are prolonging, prolonging your existence on Earth at the expense of another. The others and I were quite horrified at her rudeness, but we kept it to ourselves. <laughs> the three weeks that followed, Sarah was still unemployed. She spent all her time playing video games in the family room. She played the same game over and over. Some crappy looking RPG from the 90s. It has an unpronounceable name. Sarah said she was bonded to the game. She also told us that she changed her name to be that of one of the game characters. Upon further discussion, she explained that it was because she believed she was the human incarnation of this character and that they shared a soul. This brings us into the whole soul bonding thing that we've talked about before, that Jen was like, I'm a soul bonder, I'm a reincarnation of video mm -hmm. game characters, etc., so the game in question they're talking about is a game called Suikoden. Suikoden is a JRPG series that was released in 1995. There have been five games since then, plenty of spin-offs, and now there are remakes in the works. While never reaching the same like level of fame as like Final Fantasy, Suikoden is quite popular. Hmm. A week later, she says she was leaving again, this time to the UK to visit an online friend. Still no job, spending all her time playing video games, playing on her computer, or sleeping. She drove her to the airport, and 24 hours later, she called the house saying she was denied entry into the country. He picked her up from the airport, and she was deported. after she was deported. He tried to talk to her about what happened, but she was a crying mess. She said something about the UK officials finding something on her laptop and denying her entry based on that, and confiscated her luggage, which she said contained her medication for, to control her emotional problems. That's a quote. No. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah. 
hit. She asked Pete not to tell the others about her needing medication. He agreed, but told her that she should probably tell them soon as they were losing patience with her. Still without her job, Pete offered her a job as a part-time cashier at the store that he worked. But he declines, but she declined saying she was overqualified and didn't like working with people. In the middle of the second month, Sarah, sorry. I see yikes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just yikes. Yeah. Dude, when you need a fucking job, you're going to deal with people. Like, you take anything. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, in the middle of the second month, Sarah announces that the friend that she had planned on visiting in the UK was instead going to come to the house and stay for a week. That said that if anyone had a guest for more than three days, it required the entire household's approval, but she said it was for her mental health, quote. Quote, the guest arrives. The guest introduces herself as the right bishop something. I laugh. I think thinking it's a joke. Apparently it's not. This person thinks that she's actually this British bishop whose name I can't pronounce or spell. So something will be his or her name or its name. She also thinks she's a man, but that's another story. So rude. Yeah. I interject, uh, interject yeah. here and say that the character that is supposed to be is called Bishop Sasserai and is a character from Suikoden. Also, you know, screw this writer for misgendering someone. We will yeah. refer to this person with he, him pronouns. Sasserai, he, him. That's something, it. Who? I'm sorry. I, it? Like, that is so... Yeah. Yep. Sasserai spent the uh, Sarah and Sasserai spend the week playing video games, eating everyone else's food, and doing a whole lot of nothing. He comes to find out that Sasserai believes he is the character from the game, and that there were many others online that had similar beliefs. The fourth night of the visit, the household decides to host a barbecue in honor of Matt's birthday. Quote, we invited Sarah and Sasserai to join us, and engineer number two even joined a, even offered to make them veggie burgers that she had bought especially for them. They turned down the offer and instead made protest signs and wandered around muttering something about being pacifists but still willing to call in their quote, army to destroy us for barbecue. <laughs> I'm sorry, they made wow. signs. <laughs> Picketing the barbecue. <laughs> I would have kicked them out already. <laughs> like that would have been I would have been like, all right, you're done. That is the funniest fucking image. <laughs> Just wandering around the yard. No more meat. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Jesus. Oh my god. It's like, it's not just the roommates too. It's like all of Matt's friends for his birthday party as well. So it's like. Yeah. It's like, what, what person do you live with? Oh my god. <laughs> this was apparently very funny to them, but none of us got the joke. After about 20 minutes of their chanting around us, we, tr- we tried to eat. Lawyer told them to grow the fuck up, get new meds for your insanity, and leave us in peace. Sarah started to cry and scream that no one understood her and how she hates it when people assume that just because she doesn't, quote, conform to the norm, that she is, quote, insane. Sasserai rushed to her, rushed her aid, but not before telling us that we were horrible people and that didn't we know that Sarah suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder from being teased incessantly in grade school? Matt, always the voice of reason, says, you cannot get PTSD from being teased. You get PTSD from being raped, from being a witness to a violent crime, or from being in war. Oh, wow. As a counselor. A counselor. Mm. Yeah, so, okay. we know uh, you can get PTSD from all sorts of things, and it's not up to you to decide what causes trauma. 
Yike. It is very possible for someone to get PTSD from childhood bullying. In fact, a 2016 study by the University of Illinois found experiencing bully was the, bullying was the strongest predictor of PTSD symptoms among college students who participated in the study, surpassing other types of trauma such as exposure to community violence or being abused or neglected by adults. Quote, bullying victimization significantly predicted students' current levels of depression and anxiety over and above all childhood victimization experiences. Wow. Yeah, fuck you, Matt. <laughs> Quote yeah, Matt. Jeez. Yeah. The entry ends with, this is where the real fun begins. Tune in next time. Yikes. Two days later, another entry would be posted. And the barbecue, after the barbecue, Sarah retreats to her room, sending Sasserai to get food. The seclusion lasted two days until Sasserai delivered a letter to the household asking them to meet with Sarah that evening. Matt agreed to have a house, a house meeting and all of us were there, even Dan, who was rarely home. We sat in the family room and waited for Sarah to arrive at the appointed time. She and Sasserai made quite the show. They came downstairs together, Sarah wrapped in a blanket and wearing her PJs and leaning on Sasserai. That's where I prefaced the meeting with some nonsense about how everything said in this room was not to leave the room and how we had to be careful of Sarah's mental state and how we must approach things with an open mind. No, I don't think so. You're invading my space and wasting my time and you're crazy. Matt said, quote, we will listen to you, but I can't promise anything else. Sarah lifted her head and she started to talk. She started with, quote, I'm sorry, but you have to understand where I'm coming from. Lots of people cannot understand me because I have such a high intellect, it is beyond their grasp. Oh no. Uh, excuse us for being sane, bitch. Anyways, from there we heard about the various, thing, the various things, including that one, her parents were awful to her because they didn't understand her. They didn't accept her as a video game character, and her father threatened to disown her after she changed her name. All her mother wanted was a doll to dress up and give her lots of presents. It wasn't fair that they wouldn't accept her for who she was. Two, the kids in middle school picked on her, and, is and this has caused her so many problems. It wasn't fair that people picked on her because she was different. Uh, who didn't get ripped on in the middle of middle school? Get over it. Three, the only people who understand her are her online friends, who also believe that they are video game characters. They have created their own, quote, safe haven. And since she has started the, quote, soul bonding movement, she has had lots of followers. Four, she used to belong to a fandom but left, left because people trivialized her, quote, alter ego and used him in porn. Oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. No way. Yeah. The internet is made for porn. Right? For porn. <laughs> so at this point, he, <laughs> he says that he wanted to look the character up and draw him being sexually assaulted by a manner of things and put it on the fridge, but didn't have time. Not okay. And Sarah's the oh. bad guy, guys. Sarah's the bad guy. Okay. Not okay. Like we we all know that Sarah is not a good person, but that does not no. Wow. That does not mean you could do that shit. Wow. Wow. Okay. Matt asked if Sarah is getting any help, and she said no. She didn't have insurance. Asked about the job she was supposed to have had when she arrived, but she said the job never existed. Quote, she never had a job. She never lived in the state. She lived on the East Coast and decided that California would be more accepting of her. She started looking online for a place to stay and found us. To get past our screenings, she had an online friend who worked at a programming company pretend to be her boss. Driver's license she faxed us for the background check was legit, kind of. She visited California and used other internet friends' addresses, of, uh, addresses her own to get her license. She asked her to leave. Matt even offered to let her stay there for April since she paid for it. 
and give her that and give that five hundred dollars back from when she moved in if she moved out by May first. She started to cry. They went back upstairs and and we all thought that that was the end of it and that she would be gone by May first. But oh, it was not. She did not leave. She caused many more problems. So the third entry would come five days later. Kate says that Sarah's breakdown. Uh, after Sarah's breakdown, Sasserai extended a stay from seven days to an additional ten days. He told uh, he told Matt this, who was pretty pissed at this revelation. But Sasserai said that someone needed to take care of Sarah as she hadn't come out of her room since the meeting. Matt challenged Sasserai, saying that's a lie because he had seen Sarah come down and play video games with Sasserai. Sasserai said that was only because he was there. Quote, I don't even know your real name, Matt said. I know you were not born with the name you use, and I don't trust people who can't even tell me their real name. Sasserai gave some story about how he was this bishop, and everything he was saying was an insult to his religion. He spent about 20 minutes trying to explain this religion of soul bonding to Matt, Zach, and I. Finally, Matt told him that he could stay for the 10 days, but after that, he was going to have to go to a hotel or Matt was going to call the cops. Then he told Sasserai that he wanted to talk to Sarah that evening. Sasserai said that he would relay the message. So Matt went, met with Sarah and told her she was pushing his good nature, but offered to get her an appointment with a psychiatrist who was a friend of his, who had offered to see her for free. But accept, she reluctantly accepted the offer. The next day, Matt took Sarah to the psychiatrist. He doesn't know what transpired, but he did take, but he did take Sarah to, fill a, to the pharmacy to fill a prescription after. When they got home, Sarah just went back to her room. A week passed, and Sarah began to fill out job applications online. One evening, while a bunch of the house was in the kitchen, they asked Sarah how she could afford anything if she wasn't working. Quote, she said, plain as can be, I have people offer me donations on my blog so I can spread the news of my religion. Her religion being that she is actually a male video game character from a game that came out in the 90s. What? So there are some morons out there who give money to Sarah so she can pretend to be a video game character and teach others to be the same? Sasserai said, we give her things because she has helped us find our true selves. So then, quote, so you don't work either, Tim said? I could tell that he was ready to explode. No, I get government benefits in the UK. Why? Because I don't like to work. Sarah's boyfriend is apparently the worst enabler in this group. According to Sasserai, he bought her a car that she sold, plane tickets, and sends her money on a regular basis. I don't want to work. I mean, people send money to other people for the wildest shit. It's true. All the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We talked about how Jack Parsons would send fucking Aleister Crowley <laughs> money for the religion because because for the really yeah yeah people are wild people are wild it's yeah it's banana pants to me that some of this stuff happens but it's just it's like once once you're in that I don't know I'm making a motion that y'all can't see once you're in that like. <laughs> I don't want to use the word cult, but you know what I mean. It's a cult. Yeah. It's a cult. Yeah. It's a cult. Once you're there. Once you're in a high control group, like it's really control easy. Group. There we go. Yeah. A yeah. high control yeah. group. Like it's so easy to get people to give you money. Totally. So easy. I think today, I think also we have to remember, like, this was written in what, 2009? Like, yeah. The the concept of like sending a stranger on the internet money for something was not 
normal. Like it's so normalized today with like Ko-Fi and Patreon and right, like right. donations. Like that's a really normal concept now. But back then, like you didn't send someone on the internet money just for like no reason. Right. Yeah. Like you had to know them yeah. personally and you're helping them or something. So like the idea of just like sending someone, you know, fifty bucks because you like their message. Yeah, that was not yeah. a common thing at all. No, yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. So eventually Sassra went back to the UK and the next day Sarah announced that she had an interview as a tester at a software company. Matt reminded her that she needed to find a place soon as it was now April and she was supposed to be out by May 1st. She said she had looked at some places online but needed to visit them in person. One of the housemates offered to drive her to see these places. Three days later there would be another post. She managed to get a job doing software testing. Ironically where our former housemate, the one who got married, worked. I'll tell you more about her work ethic in a future post. Suffice it to say, she was shocked to learn your boss gets mad when you update your quote, I'm a video game character blog from work. Anyway, since she had started taking her meds, she was actually decent to be around and stopped being a complete and total freak. I didn't hear the, the R word chimes of that video game in the family room either. There was a week between... Sorry? Nothing. Just... Uh, ugh. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Oof. Yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> it was also a thing though in 2008 though still. Right. Yeah. No, that's I mean it's it's weird to to think like you know that was 15 years ago. Mm. And the perspective of it and how far like Either people though. have come. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No way you'd ever use that word now. Well, no, not if you're a decent person. Exactly. There was a week between her getting a job and starting the job, and this required her to do drug testing and stuff. I drove her to do that, and when we were leaving, she asked if I would take her to the airport the next day, and I asked why. Oh, because her boyfriend had sent her cash for a plane ticket to come see him for the weekend. Smart. The weekend before you start a new job, you travel. Brilliant. I told her I would, but she'd have to give me gas money since the airport is about an hour from the house. And she said, but I don't have any money. I told her to stop lying. I knew she was making money off of her I am such a gifted intellectual who's a video game character and it's my religion blog. She shrugged. It was worth a try. She smirked. Oh yes, she was a devious bitch. Oh. So, <laughs> so she leaves for the weekend, but her flight home on Sunday gets delayed and she didn't get in until 2am. She called the house to see if someone could pick her up, but the housemaid that answered told her to get a cab. But when she got home at 4 a.m. after finding a cab, she started yelling and screaming, waking everyone up. She cursed everyone and told us that we are not being sensitive to her needs. Matt asked her to ask her point blank if she was t- taking her meds, and she said, no, because my boyfriend says they are bad for me. Tim told her to grow mm. the fuck up and get back on her pills. Uh, mm. The rest of us returned to our rooms while he threw a fit. Well, she threw a fit. Stuff was pulled out of the cabinets. Carrie said she smashed a few of our coffee mugs. Cabinets right. slammed. She broke a window with a wooden spoon, which I don't know how you do that. Maybe one hefty uh, fucking spoon. It could be a hefty spoon, and like I guess if you're just real mad, <laughs> I guess. I guess. Dang. Yeah. And I left for work later that morning. She was sitting in a heap on the family room floor playing her game. I left her there. So much for her first day at work, she called him sick. Nice impression. 
Matt got home from work that day, he gave her two choices. She either goes back to the psychiatrist's friend or, she st or he calls the cops on her. She agreed to see the psychiatrist and the next day she went to work at her new job. Quote, that evening she apologized to us all and offered to pay for the broken stuff when she got her first check. Everyone just nodded. She said her boyfriend was coming to visit for a weekend the following week. Tim said, you better stay on those damn pills. Sarah worked for th these four days, then the following week, putting us in the middle of April. Then her boyfriend arrived. He was a nice guy and we couldn't figure out what he was doing with such a head case. But of course, you guessed it, he was one of those soul bonders. Except he believed he was a dragon. That's right, a fucking dragon. Tim asked him to breathe fire. Apparently that was offensive to him. But he had better humor, humor about it than Sarah and he didn't claim to have PTSD like Sarah did. Prior to the boyfriend coming, Sarah had cleaned the house top to bottom, even demanding the other housemates vacuum their rooms and that Matt had to keep his dogs outside as her boyfriend was allergic to everything. The housemates did not comply. It's kind of a dick move, though, guys. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Again, everyone in this house is just pity people. Yeah. No one in this story is good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There are no heroes here. No. No. None of these people wear capes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, they might, but not for those reasons. <laughs> right. <laughs> but one, one interesting thing about him was that he called Sarah by her video game name, which is decisively male, and asked him if he was gay. That pissed him off, but it was still funny. Sarah whined that we weren't being very nice to her, to her guest. And Dan said, why should we be? The last one you brought home stayed way too long. And this guy just pays for you to live in a delusion. Oh, that set the boyfriend off. Didn't, didn't we know that plenty of people in the world were soul bonders and other kin and that we were racists? Now, I don't know those demographic groups qualify as a race, but okay. He said we were harassing Sarah and we better watch it. Matt said, quote, I've been making sure your girlfriend has been getting her medication that she needs. You should be more thankful. And then boyfriend started off on how medicating someone like Sarah was wrong, just a way to, for the drug companies to make money. He said the drugs stunted Sarah's creativity. Tim said, you mean her craziness? Because normal people do not believe they are gender-bent video game characters. A day later, the boyfriend left. We were now about a week and a half from Sarah's supposed departure. So, a lot of issues in that. <laughs> statement wow yeah yeah yike yeah yike, yike yeah yep all right quote on night uh one night while we were watching a ball game on tv sarah was whining that she wanted to get lost in her world because she had a hard day at work i'm asked when are you leaving she said i'm not i said i told you that you had to be by, out by may 1st and since you're a month month tenant that you didn't give me proper notice. That I only have to give a month's notice. Sarah, I don't have it in writing. That says, I don't do written leases. I only do month to month. And over 30 days ago, we all told, we told you we wanted you out. Sarah, then you'll have to evict me. And this is where the real fun began. Oh. Days later, there's another post. In the coming months, we would all learn a lot about landlord-tenant law in California. Now keep the following things in mind. We learned these as we went along and fought this battle for almost a year. 
Our situation is legally defined as an owner-occupied single-family dwelling. We are legally called lodgers since we rent rooms, not apartments. County law requires a CO, a certificate of occupancy, if there are more than four people lodging. Matt did not have one because he never thought it would become an issue and he didn't know he needed one. This will be important later. In California, a landlord must show just cause to evict someone unless it is a single lodger in an owner-occupied single-family dwelling. Emphasis on single. It is illegal to deny housing to anyone with a disability or on a basis of their religion. Here's a link to a decent site that consolidates the California landlord-tenant law if you're interested. It's a government link. So the day after Sarah said she was leaving, Matt delivered a written notice for her the eviction. Or say says she wasn't leaving, Matt delivered the written notice for her eviction, giving her 30 days to vacate the premises. He didn't give a reason, just a date. She confronted him about this, asking why he was kicking her out. Quote, everyone said their piece. Mine was that I was really tired of listening to that fucking video game and her insane babblings. Zach complained about the noise. Apparently she liked to dance around in her room while working on her computer at 2 a.m. His room was under hers, so he heard all the noise and the music. Carrie said that she was tired of getting yelled at to clean the bathroom. It seems that Sarah cleaned it at least three times a week. And since Carrie didn't, she would get notes under her door. Like, I don't know who cleans the bathroom three times a week. Three times a week? Oh yeah. Gosh. But, but I guess it's probably really quaint and clean. I don't have to do I mean, much it was cleaning sessions. Yeah, but so at odds for what I know about her as well, like for her to clean the bathroom that often, but yeah. for her to be so disgusting in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, though Sarah's yeah, not that disgusting though. I thought and she was. I thought she disgusting. like didn't shower and didn't use Jen. Oh this, this is Sarah. Nothing about Sarah oh, has been disgusting. Gotcha, She's gotcha, been a gotcha, neat gotcha. freak, if anything. Gotcha. Oh, wow. Okay. I mixed the two up. Sorry. Don't worry. You were not the only person that did. <laughs> That's why this is attached to the story. <laughs> so Dan said he couldn't respect anyone who scammed money off of people and didn't want to be a party to something like that. A week later, Matt was called by someone from the Department of Fair Employment and Housing. Miss Sarah complained that she was being unfairly evicted because of her religious beliefs. He was instructed that someone from their office would come by the house for a discussion as part of their investigation. Quote, Investigator came and quickly dismissed Sarah's claim of being discriminated against because of her religion. It said Matt needed to get a certificate of occupancy as he did have tenants. Matt kept this quiet as he was worried if Sarah found out she would just use that to try and stay longer. Matt decided to move the TV out of the living room. The other housemates had their own TV so no one cared but Sarah who was relying on that TV to play her video games. So what did she do? She started asking her loser friends for money. She also started selling her fan fiction and essays on soul bonding. She used one of those lousy self-published sites where no one checks what you're actually publishing. A week later, she had the TV delivered. It was a nice one. Probably set her soul bond freaks back like $600 or so. I want to know how you get $600 for writing essays and fan fiction online in like a week. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I want to do that too. Oh. Yeah, people make some kind of wild money doing that. I mean, like, if she's making that kind of money, why would she move into this house? I have. Right? Like. Yeah. Well, she probably wasn't no. doing it consistently, no. right? Yeah. So four days later, we get another post. End of June 2007, when Sarah didn't move out at the end of her 30 days, Matt filed an unlawful detainer on her, which is basically a legal paper that says, get the fuck out. Sarah contested it and complained that she was being evicted for religious reasons and because we did not like her disability. 
So this went to landlord-tenant court, but not for two months because they were so backed up. In the meantime, we were investigated. Soul party, July 2007. We had our 4th of July party at the house like we always do. Everyone invites friends. It was a lot of fun. Sarah chose to sit in her room and sulk at all the animals we were killing to celebrate. You know, because barbecue is the same thing as a ritual sacrifice. I was kind of hoping that she'd come down and protest in front of everyone, but I guess without Sasserai around, she didn't feel like, she didn't want to look like a total ass. So I was kind of disappointed in that one. A couple days after the 4th of July party, Sasserai suddenly shows up. Matt refused to let him stay at the house, but Sarah argued that if the other housemates could have a party, so could she, and Sasserai was there to help her set up for the upcoming weekend. Matt said that he had to approve all parties, but Sarah said, tell that to the judge I'm feeling discriminated against. Quote, anyways... Are you kind? <laughs> God. Anyways, that Friday, I came home from work around 8.30 to find the other housemates sitting out in the carriage house drinking beer and looking all kinds of pissed off. Matt was inside, they said. Why? Because 12 plus people, plus Sasserai, had shown up for Sarah's party. They all brought pillows and blankets so they intended to sleep over. And who were these people? Fellow soul bonders, people she met on the internet. Matt dragged Sarah out of the house and we all confronted her. Sasserai ran behind them like a drunk frat boy chasing a can of bud. Whatever the shit was, it was not going on. He said, quote, no one in my house, no one in my house that I don't know. Sarah argues that the 4th of July party had uh, people attend that Matt didn't know. And Matt finally said, you have until 10 p.m. And after that, I'm calling the comps and throwing everyone out. Quote, then you need to stay away, Sasserai said. This is a religious right. Matt, it's my fucking house. I'm going to watch TV and walks towards the house. Sasserai grabs his shirt. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, yes, he did. You will disturb the something astral something. I don't remember exactly what he called it, but if we, the unbelievers, interrupted the ceremony, there would be problems. That said, take your hands off me before I call the cops now. Sarah started crying. The rest of us just walked into the house. Now, the others had seen her setting up the shit, but I had just got home. Sarah had darkened the family room by hanging blankets over the windows. She also put a bunch of candles out and turned the coffee table into a kind of altar. It had a white cloth and cloth candles books and the, the expensive silver candlesticks from the, the dining room. I can promise that she did not have permission to touch those. They were over 100 years old and a family heirloom to Matt. We only used them in the during the house Christmas dinner. We all walked into the family room and saw the, quote, Sobon freaks in there. Some were dressed in cosplay outfits. The boyfriend was there, too. He asked where Sarah was, and Dan said, quote, We just gave her a verbal lashing. She's outside. Go deal with her. Matt took the candlesticks from the altar and put them away, despite the protests of, the, of another one of those losers. Then we sat down in the family room that they had commandeered, and Tim turned off the R-word game and put on a movie. One of the people said, I thought we were going to play the game. The housemates said nope, that the soul bonders needed to be out by 10pm or else the cops would be called. The group was shocked, most had planned to stay in the house that night, and they began to wonder what they should do. The housemates suggested that they get a hotel room, but the soul bonders said that they didn't have money. And the housemates said, well, you should ask Sarah for it. Sasserai returned, claiming that they were being persecuted for their beliefs, and Matt relented, giving them the living room until 10. He and the roommates moved into the kitchen, where they could watch the events in the living room. It's like, everyone's being assholes here. Well, yeah. that's what I'm trying to figure out. It's like, okay, there's there's no one in the house with a half a modicum of, like, maybe we should, like, cool it. I don't... 
because they're obviously in the I right because these are these are freaks from the internet right yeah it's just it's everyone's everyone's bad it's all <laughs> bad like they're yeah. they're being disrespectful just... towards other people like sarah and her group are like not being honest or forthcoming about what they're doing and yeah it's it's a mess it's no bueno there's no great. hero here Nope. <laughs> so, quote, Sarah came downstairs dressed in a white dress. She kept glancing at us. Sassrai stood between her and us so she couldn't see us, I guess. And she began talking. Ta she talked about how this was Betty's awakening and how Betty was going to finally realize her potential by harnessing the soul of a video game character. I couldn't stand it. I started cracking up. The rest of the housemates started to crack up. Sarah started screaming at all of us and calling us racist. Now, I don't know how being a soul bonder is a race, but okay. And we were called Nazis. Oh, that's lovely. I guess if you're sane and don't believe you're a video game character slash dragon slash wart on someone's ass, you're a Nazi. This is better than any kind of TV you can imagine. See, if you can picture all of these nut jobs kneeling around the altar as the video game played its music in the background, Sarah stood over them preaching this religion, and the right Bishop Sasserai would occasionally interject something deep from his position. I was really getting upset, so more of her friends made the human wall. We could still hear all the stupid, even after they turned up the volume on the video game. So at 5 to 10, Matt announces that they have 5 minutes. The group said Matt was being disrespectful, and this resulted in an argument that resulted in one of the soulbonders taking a swing at Tim. Matt called the cops, and they showed up 20 minutes later. Tim pressed assault charges on the guy that had tried to punch him, and Matt held, told the cops that he wanted these people out of his house. The boyfriend tried to plead to the cops that they were being discriminated against because of their religion. The cops told everyone that if they didn't live in the house, they had to leave. The boyfriend booked a hotel room, and the group got their stuff and even had the gal even had the gall to ask if someone could shuttle them. The housemates laughed at this. The soul bonders left. The cops took took to the uh, took the one in that attempted to assault Tim. Quote, we thought after that that she wouldn't want to stay, but oh, she did. She also filed a frivolous small claims lawsuit on the basis that we had, quote, stolen her candles and time. Yes, her time. I guess being a fake priestess and a fake religion is worth $300 an hour? Who knew? Oh, my goodness. I, I want to be a fake priestess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, too. that should actually be, yeah, that should be all of our goals in life, to be honest. Right? That's, that's, actually, that's really good payment. Wow. Should we start a cult? I could start a cult. Start a cult. Uh, you know... What's scary is I think between the four of us, we could probably be really successful. <laughs> oh, we could have uh, a dope cult. We've got we've got the so experience, cool. and we have uh -huh. the the knowledge. So, nice. yeah, I think the problem is that the, we're just not assholes, though. Yeah, yeah, we were yeah. lacking empathy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part. <laughs> we yep. we've done the ethical thing, uh, where instead of starting a cult, you just start a podcast. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Same. Same. <laughs> yeah. And Almost we're not. Same. A little different. Our our podcast isn't popular enough to have become a cult by accident. No. Yet, I mean, no. Yeah. This is very true. <laughs> yeah. By accident on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, the candles we stole. The candles that we stole were in Matt's candlesticks when he took them back. He actually brought them to court and gave them back to her in front of the judge she would remain she would remain and continue to be a pain in the ass one final night note before i got going why would someone want to continue to live in a place where they're obviously not welcome cost location no not for sarah 
Sarah claimed that she felt close to her soul bond in her house. She claimed that it felt like a house that this guy would live in and that her soul was at ease in her home. Which I don't okay. know how that's possible with <laughs> these people treating like shit all with, the time. Yeah, exactly. With everything going on. Yeah. So Pete announces that he will be hiking for a couple weeks, so another housemate, Carrie, would be writing the next entry. So a week later, Carrie's entry would come. She would talk about what living with Sarah was like. Quote, Sarah asked me to drop her off at work because she was getting tired of riding the bus. I told her I would since it was on my way, but she needed to give me gas money and that she was a slave to my schedule. So if I had to work late, she had to occupy herself for a few hours. I drove her for a week, and then I called her and said I had to stay late one night. She said that she had to, she had to get home because she had an online meeting with her followers. I said she'd have to take a taxi or ride a bus, but I had a conference call that I couldn't miss. She whined and hung up on me. Later that night, she left me a very nasty note on my door telling me that I was being mean to her and that I didn't take her her religion seriously. And if I had been someone who had checked, if if I had been someone who had to go to church, I would have skipped for the I would have skipped the call to bring her. No, I hope that note. To church. <laughs> yeah, I hope that note was written in crayon. <laughs> I feel like it was. Yeah, that yeah. just seems right. Found her playing her game. I tried to talk to her, but she just ignored me. I told her to find her own ride to work because she wasn't riding with me anymore. About a week later, I found one of my tires slashed. I noticed it very early as I was returning from my run. Sarah was in the shower. She never admitted to it, but we all know she did it. <laughs> oh, wow. Mm. Another thing that she'd do is have loud, obnoxious, obnoxious sex with her boyfriend, not only in her room, but in the bathroom. I also caught oh, them screwing ew. in front of the damn game in the family room. I guess what? they didn't think anyone was home. I heard the music from that game, and I walked into the family room, and there they were, going at it on Matt's couch. Ew. <laughs> you can't have sex in common areas. Don't oh. do that. Rules. <laughs> Another week would pass and Carrie would update again, this time talking about Sarah at work. Turns out the place that Sarah got a job was the same place that the previous roommate worked and ended up telling Carrie about all these things. Most of this is just Sarah being difficult, wanting her desk to face the entrance to her cube so people couldn't sneak up on her and wanting to put scarves on the overhead lights so that was told that she couldn't because it was a fire hazard and she argued they were religious symbols, that kind of thing. Quote, another thing she did was fall asleep at her desk at work. Becky said John was having an awful time with her about it. The first time John woke her up and asked her if she was okay, thinking maybe she'd passed out, she whined about how her PTSD and depression and ADHD and OCD and Asperger's and all the other crap that she claimed to have was affecting her. Since she played the disability card, now John was stuck with trying to accommodate her, and she knew it. Now that, now that it was established that she was disabled, she told John that she wanted different hours. He had to comply. She said that having to be there at 8 was just too early, so he moved her to a 9 a.m. start. And then she said she felt cramped in her desk, so she got a bigger cube. And then she said she got tired at 2 p.m., so she started taking naps in the lounge. She said that the noise from the office was distracting for her, so she got to wear her iPod while she worked. I love that people think that it's this easy to get, like, disability, like... It's so hard to get yeah, accommodation. Yeah, no. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Like, right? oh my god. <laughs> like, there's paperwork. This shit takes weeks for one thing. <laughs> like, if it gets done at and all. And the rate of, yeah, and the rate of, of rejection is so high. Yeah. yeah. So the next day would be another entry, this one penned by Tim. Quote, 
people seem to be have been guessing about Sarah's identity on her webpage and blog. I'm going to stick with Pete's philosophy and not openly stating who she is, even though her craziness is pretty public and, and in your face. Hell, I bet you can Google it and it will still be there. Somehow, I don't think that's a, that after all this has happened that she's stopped this crap. In fact, I bet she's kicked it up a degree so she can get more money out of people. Insane bitch that she is. The rest of the post is very crass, transphobic, and ableist, not really relevant to anything. So I'm not going to read it. I was also thinking, like, all of these accommodations are totally, like, for the most part, re reasonable. Minus, like, the yeah. nap in the middle of the day. Yeah. Like, I okay. have a lot of these accommodations. <laughs> Having a nap in the middle of the day just proves that you're a good worker and that you're getting ready for the last half of the day. I agree. <laughs> but also, I don't get to take a nap in the middle of the day. I also can't have a later start. But That's you fair. know, yeah. I mean, I could. I would just have to sacrifice my day off, and I don't want to. Mm. All right. So, no, uh, the next same day, we get another post from Pete. "Quote to the people who think we're being mean to Sarah. Let me remind you that we were all nice. We cooked her a meal to welcome her. We tried to include her in the things we did in the house, but none of those things mattered. I really tried to get along with her because I was the one who pushed the guys into taking her, since I really wanted another woman around." I often feel like this was my fault, but we all make mistakes. Sometimes those mistakes are expensive, annoying, and bring crazy people from other countries to crash at your place. But I guess I learned something. I learned that I can't trust people after just one quick interview, and that some people are artists at conning the system. But we were nice to her once. We, were, I mean, we put a cheese plate together once. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't we I give you a pizza of... party? <laughs> I can kind of see how, like, maybe they were trying to be nice in the beginning, and maybe they were being reasonable, and then, like, she didn't reciprocate in a way they wanted, and then they just went, you know, early 2000s off the deep end with dealing with her mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. Because, like, it wasn't, it was an edgelord time. It is. But Pete would go on to tell more stories about Sarah at work. In one case, Sarah took Sassari to work with her, and it was a shit show. Oh, Sasserai no. actually walked around with a pamphlet about his religion and handed them out around to these people that Sarah worked with. Sarah found out and wasn't happy about it. Apparently her soul bond stuff wasn't public knowledge at the office. Oh no. Could you imagine? But like what office lets like people who don't work there hang out? Yeah, no. Sarah's blog also got blocked on the internal network as at some point she went to IT to unblock it who said it was blocked for violating company policy and that there was nothing they could do. She took to the person to HR for deciding discrimination. Sarah would get fired from her job in November 2007. Next day there would be another post by Tim, most of which she spent defending the actions of him and the other housemates. The comments on LiveJournal had begun to call out the author for being transphobic and ableist and Tim pulled the usual, I have a friend who's disabled. Oh no. There was a lot of backpedaling, yet doubling down at the same time. But, so I used it for a few words that caused people to get their boxers in a bunch. Get over it. You don't have a right to not be offended by the things that I say. You have a right to disagree <sighs> and to not like my words, but I am not going to change my thoughts on Sarah because you're gay. And I said, she man. Oh, wow. now you need wow. a, a feelings band aid. If you're that fragile, I'm sorry. And those who, who were. Speaking for the gay community, do yourselves a favor and stop. Speak for yourself and yourself only. Sarah ruined nearly a year of my life. She lied to us, stole from us, inconvenienced us, and then would scream disability at every turn. Even when she was gone, she was never really fucking gone. God unwilling. Um, and he spells God as G-D. He might be Jewish. 
<laughs> were done with her, but after she left, she filed small claims course uh, slam, filed small claims case against us after small claims against Matt and the rest of us. Everyone sucks. Everyone sucks. Yep. Like all like he says all these this offensive language, these curse words and stuff, but can't spell out God. Um, well, that might be a Jewish thing. So in a, in some Jewish tradition, you you can't write God. Oh. That's you have to put the dash in the middle. That's why I said I think he's Jewish, because that's a thing. Um that's interesting. Because being Jewish sure doesn't mean you're not an asshole. Yeah, no, you can still be Jewish and an mm. asshole. <laughs> um I had something else I was gonna say and I forgot because I got hyper focused on the dash. It's fine. <laughs> Four days later, on August 21st, 2008, Pete would give his last update. Quote, quit messaging me and telling me you know who Sarah or who Sassari is or that you're one of them and you're butthurt and you're a soul bonder and this is bad press for your subculture. I don't think so and I don't give a shit. After the soul party, we thought we got rid of the friends and Sassari for good. But then Sassari showed up about two months later for another visit. Matt threatened to start charging him rent. He also asked Sarah to leave quietly so that wouldn't have to go to court she refused her soul bond was content in the house the rest of us went to to a park together that saturday when we came home the boyfriend was there and screaming at sarah and sasserai boyfriend caught the two of them having sex he wasn't supposed to be there for another hour but was early and walked in on them matt told them to take their shit outside because it was all screaming sarah was crying and saying she didn't mean to mean to and that her soul bond took over and made her screw sasserai's soul bond sasserai said that Sassari said that it sounded like his soul bond, soul bond was a rapist and on and on and on. That went on for about an hour, but at least they took it to the carriage house. The boyfriend left after that and Sarah and Sassari came inside. They said that they had to kill Sassari's soul bond for raping Sarah's soul bond, but he would be replaced with the bishop's oh. twin. Yep. Sarah said the twin was evil. Sassari said the twin could be nurtured. Imagine, imagine the conversation going on for an hour. Tim had some colorful words for the scene, but I'm not sure they're PC, so I won't put them here. Oh, wow, that's a first. Oh, why uh, would you suddenly... <laughs> I people calling I you out, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't care about people calling me out. Piles gets piled on. Oh. oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ugh. I don't know if they killed the soul bond or not, and if they did, how they did it. A few days later, Sassari left, but Sarah got a call from him. Sassari had been arrested upon landing in his country of origin. Sarah asked him to help to help him out, and he said, I'm not licensed there. I wouldn't do shit for you anyways. Sassari wasn't just sponging off his country of origin. He was a scam artist, like the kind that call elderly people and promise them lottery winnings. That was his day job. I don't know what kind of scam he was running, but it was pretty bad. Sarah continued to live with us. And up next... Landlord-Tenant Court number one. Despite finishing this post saying that there would be another one coming, none ever did. At this point, someone on Something Awful had connected Eros and Sarah, and things were getting heated. So the author got scared of retribution as they never resurfaced. But what really happened? Was this actually Eros? And what happened with Eros and Jen all those years ago? Is it possible that Eros went on to model some of those very behaviors that Jen used on her and others? That's it for this week. Next week, we're back with part two, where we'll get to know who Aris really is, their relationship to Saul bonding, and their time with Jen.
As always, links, pictures, and additional information can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com. To keep up with all things exceptional, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at The Human Exception. Have a story you want us to cover? Don't tell us that we're wrong or just want to say hi? You can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. Keep on being exceptional, my humans, and have a wonderful weekend.